This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Episode 90. The Lake by Cal Swimmers. Deep in the heart of Siberia, nestled among the rugged mountains and endless forests, lies one of the world's greatest natural wonders. Lake Baikal, known as the Pearl of Siberia, is the largest freshwater lake in the world by volume, and the deepest in the world. The lake is a vast and beautiful expanse of crystal clear water, stretching over 400 miles long, and over a mile deep in some places. It is home to a unique ecosystem of plants and animals that are found nowhere else on Earth. Lake Baikal is a place of great mystery and wonder, steeped in myth and legend. It has been revered by the local people for centuries, and many believe it to be a place of great spiritual power. The lake's immense size and depth have given rise to countless legends and tales of the unknown. One of the most enduring legends of Lake Baikal is that of the Lake Baikal Swimmers. According to local folklore, these mysterious creatures are said to inhabit the lake's deepest waters, and have been known to emerge from the depths on rare occasions. Described as humanoid in shape, very tall with silvery suits, the Lake Baikal swimmers are said to possess incredible strength and agility. Many believe that the swimmers are guardians of the lake, charged with protecting its delicate ecosystem from harm. Others believe that the swimmers are ancient creatures, older than the lake itself, and that they possess powerful, supernatural abilities. Despite the legend's enduring popularity, few people have ever claimed to see the Lake Baikal swimmers firsthand. There have been occasional reports of strange sightings in the lake's deep waters, but none have been conclusively proven. However, the mystery and intrigue surrounding the legend of the Lake Baikal swimmers have only served to deepen the allure of this remote and beautiful part of the world. As we delve deeper into the history and legends of Lake Baikal, we will explore the many wonders and mysteries of this remarkable place. From the unique flora and fauna that call the lake home, To the stories of the unknown and unexplained, there is much to discover and explore in this beautiful and enigmatic corner of the world. Join us on a journey of discovery as we explore the legend of the Lake Baikal swimmers and the many other secrets that lie hidden beneath the surface of this remarkable place. The history of Lake Baikal stretches back millions of years to a time long before humans walked the earth. It is believed that the lake was formed during the Oligocene period, around 25 million years ago, as the earth's tectonic plate shifted and pulled apart, creating a vast rift valley. Over time, this valley filled with water, forming Lake Baikal. For centuries, Lake Baikal has been an important part of the lives of the local people, who are known as the Buryat, The Buryat are a Mongolian people who have lived in the region for thousands of years, and they have developed a deep spiritual connection to the lake. They believe that the lake is a sacred place, and that it is home to many powerful spirits and deities. Over the centuries, 
The Buryat people have developed a rich culture and way of life that is closely tied to the lake. They are skilled hunters and fishermen, and they have developed many unique techniques for catching the fish that live in the lake. They also have a deep respect for the lake's delicate ecosystem, and they work hard to protect it from harm. In the 17th century, Russian explorers arrived in the region and began to explore the lake and surrounding areas. They were amazed by its size and beauty, and they recognized its importance as a valuable resource for the region. Over time, Russian settlers began to move into the area, and they established towns and villages along the lake shores. Throughout the 19th and early 20th centuries, Lake Baikal became an important hub for transportation and trade. Steamships and other vessels began to ply the lake's waters, carrying goods and people to and from the towns and villages along its shores. The lake also became an important center for scientific research, as scientists from around the world came to study its unique ecosystem and the many species of plants and animals that live there. Despite its beauty and importance, Lake Baikal has also been the site of many tragedies and disasters over the years. In 1902, the steamship Baikal sank in a storm, killing over 100 people. In 1965, a massive earthquake struck the region, causing widespread damage and claiming the lives of over 300 people. In recent years, the lake has also been threatened by pollution and other environmental threats, prompting concerns about its long-term health and viability. Despite these challenges, Lake Baikal remains one of the most unique and beautiful places on Earth. Its history is a testament to the resilience of the human spirit, and its enduring beauty is a reminder of the power and majesty of nature. Life in Lake Baikal is both diverse and unique. The lake is home to more than 4,000 species of plants and animals, many of which are found nowhere else on Earth. The lake's clear, pristine waters provide an ideal environment for a wide range of species, from tiny plankton to massive fish and seals. One of the most unique species found in Lake Baikal is the Baikal seal, also known as the nerpa. This small seal is the only species of seal that is adapted to living in fresh water, and it is found only in Lake Baikal. The Baikal seal is a key part of the lake's ecosystem, and it is an important food source for the local people. Fish also play a major role in the lake's ecosystem, and there are more than 50 species of fish found in Lake Baikal. The most famous of these is the omul, a type of salmon that is prized for its delicious flavor. Other fish found on the lake include sturgeon, grayling, and whitefish. In addition to its rich and diverse wildlife, Lake Baikal is also known as a hotspot for UFO and alien activity. Over the years, there have been numerous reports of strange lights and other phenomena in the area, leading some to believe that the lake may be a portal to another world. One of the most famous of these reports occurred in 1982, when a group of seven divers were diving in Lake Baikal. As they dove deeper into the icy waters, their visibility became increasingly less. They had to keep close to one another to not get lost. The water seemed eerily calm. One of the divers spotted something large and almost humanoid quickly swim by out of the corner of their eye. And then another. However, this time, everyone in the group witnessed it. As quickly as they looked in the direction of the strange creature, it nearly vanished in an instant. The diving group found their curiosity piqued. They formed a plan to try and catch one of the creatures in a large net. After preparing their net, they each got into position. At that moment, three humanoid creatures rose from the depths. The group waited in amazement, unable to move, almost as if in a trance. The creatures appeared otherworldly, 
they wore silver suits with large helmets. They appeared to be roughly nine feet in length, with what appeared to be normal arms and legs. Despite them being underwater, they did not wear any form of scuba gear, suggesting they were most likely able to breathe underwater. All of a sudden, the group watched as one of the beings reached down at their side, towards a small metallic device. The water around them began to shift, and the group of divers felt themselves being propelled upward, towards the surface. They quickly tried to pile into the two diving chambers they had with them that day. However, only one of them was working. Four of the members safely made it to the surface. The other three died on the lake's edge due to decompression sickness. That same year, a group of hikers reported seeing a strange object hovering over the lake. According to their account, the object emitted a bright light and appeared to be scanning the lake's surface. The object then suddenly disappeared, leaving the hikers confused and frightened. In another incident, a group of fishermen reported seeing a strange object rise out of the lake and fly off into the distance. According to their account, the object was disc-shaped and emitted a bright light as it attempted to surface under their boat. It sat there for some time before emerging from the water. They reported feeling a sense of awe and fear as they watched the object disappear into the night sky. These reports and many others like them have led some to believe that Lake Baikal may be a site of intense extraterrestrial activity. Some even believe that the lake may be home to an underwater alien base where advanced beings study and observe the Earth from a safe distance. While the truth of these reports is difficult to determine, there is no denying the fact that Lake Baikal is a place of great mystery and wonder. Its unique ecosystem, rich culture, and strange phenomena make it a fascinating and compelling destination for adventurers and seekers of the unknown alike. The Lake Baikal swimmers have long been shrouded in mystery, Their ability to withstand the freezing temperatures and pressure of the lake's depths has baffled scientists and researchers for years, and many theories have been put forth to explain their remarkable feats. Additional reports suggest that the Lake Baikal swimmers have developed a unique form of cold adaptation, allowing them to withstand the frigid waters of the lake. Others speculate that they have some form of genetic advantage that allows them to perform at such high levels of physical endurance. But there are those who believe that there is something more mysterious at play. Rumors have circulated for years about strange sightings in and around the lake, including reports of glowing lights and unexplained sounds. Some believe that these sightings are evidence of extraterrestrial activity, and that the Lake Baikal swimmers have some form of connection with these beings. Others suggest that there may be some sort of underwater civilization or ancient ruins hidden beneath the surface of the lake and that the swimmers are somehow connected to this mysterious realm. Another intriguing story involves a group of divers who claim to have encountered a group of humanoid creatures while diving in the lake. According to their account, the creatures were roughly the same size as humans but had a distinctly alien appearance with elongated limbs and large, almond-shaped eyes. The divers claimed that the creatures communicated with them telepathically, and that they seemed to possess a deep understanding of the lake and its secrets. They were also said to have warned the swimmers of impending danger, urging them to take steps to protect the lake from harm. There have been several real-life encounters with the Lake Baikal swimmers that suggest there are more than just a myth or a legend. One such encounter occurred in the 1970s, when a team of Russian scientists studying the lake reported seeing a group of strange humanoid creatures diving to incredible depths and swimming for long distances, without coming up for air. They noted that the swimmers appeared to be in a trance-like state as they dove to incredible depths, and that they seemed impervious to the freezing temperatures and pressure of the lake's depths. 
Another encounter occurred in 1991 when a team of American researchers were studying the lake's underwater ecosystem. While diving, they reportedly encountered a group of humanoid swimmers. They were said to be wearing suits similar to wetsuits, with no visible markings or logos, and they appeared to be communicating with one another telepathically, or by using some sort of sign language. The researchers noted that the beings seemed completely at ease in the water, despite the extreme conditions, and that they appeared to be working in perfect harmony with one another. These encounters, along with countless others, provide compelling evidence that the Lake Baikal swimmers are more than just a myth or legend. The most compelling argument and speculation of all suggests the Lake Baikal swimmers are in fact aliens themselves. While this theory may seem far-fetched, it is worth noting that there have been numerous credible sightings of UFOs and other strange objects over the lake. In fact, the area is considered to be one of the world's top hotspots for UFO activity, with many experts pointing to the unique geography and magnetic fields of the area as a possible explanation for the phenomena. On the other hand, one could question the fact that so many underwater species have yet to be discovered. The swimmers could be an undiscovered species of aquatic life. Regardless of the cause of their abilities and behavior, the Lake Baikal swimmers remain a mystery that continues to captivate and intrigue people around the world. From their legendary feats of endurance to their apparent connection to the otherworldly, the swimmers of Lake Baikal have become a symbol of mystery and wonder in a world that is increasingly defined by the mundane and the ordinary. Perhaps what is most remarkable about the legend of the Lake Baikal swimmers is the sense of possibility and wonder that inspires those who hear it. Despite the many obstacles and challenges that face us as a species, the swimmers of Lake Baikal remind us that there is still mystery in the world, and that there are still undiscovered wonders waiting to be found. Welcome, campers, to Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. We're your hosts. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jordan. And now, the debrief. All right, welcome back. Another week. Yeah. Dude, it's a hot spot. It's a hot spot. I, I know. <laughs> I, it's been so long. That was, that was that was one of the, the things I was most stoked about. And, like, yeah, that, that was. I made sure to mention that. And I, I think I mentioned it again. But, yeah, yeah. I was pumped. Another hotspot, which we haven't talked about hotspots in a little while. Like, yeah, I was starting to get chilly <laughs> away from all the hotspots. <laughs> well, no need to no need to worry anymore. I think yeah. uh, this is going to bring some heat. Interesting, because I feel like Lake Baikal is probably not a place most people go to warm up. No, not at all. <laughs> I, I like as as I was as I was prepping for this, like looking at all the pictures. It's absolutely. It's amazing yeah i want to if i didn't absolutely refuse to step foot into russia at any point in any time in any place any whatever i would love to go here or go there rather because it's i'm hoping that at some point russia collapses and breaks apart like persia did right and then it becomes separate countries that would be ideal yeah yeah I would I would fucking love for big chunks of Siberia to just become like liberal westernized nations. That'd be awesome. Dude. Cuz this this place is it's like gorgeous. And we we've, we've talked about some of these like Nahani Valley and and stuff like yeah. that, right? Um and this place is also reasonably close to Dalaf Pass as well. Yeah, yeah. Um I mean you know, as close as anything really is in Russia. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, like, exactly. That's, no, I mean, that's in putting it in perspective, perspective like, because, I mean, that area was also another another hotspot for this type yeah. of activity, and, you know, and this is another area within, you know, reasonably yeah. similarly close. I feel like, <laughs> I, <laughs> I feel like when Americans think about Russia, it's the same, we have the same sort of mental block that, like, our friends in the UK have when they think about the US. I mean, yeah. Right? Like... <laughs> It's hilarious when you hear people from the UK talking like, "Oh, I'm I'm gonna go on holiday to the to the states, and I'm gonna go to like 
the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame on Monday, and then on Tuesday I'm going to see the Alamo, and then like, and they just they can't quite conceptualize how fucking well, massive everything is here. That's the other. I mean, people that are aware of how large the U.S. is, yeah. um, like talking to a lot of a lot of people from the U.K. Um, you know, I, we we talk about that a lot. Like you can drive from one end to the other end of the U.K. in a day. In less, yeah, in less than yeah. less than a day, like in in half of a day, yeah. Whereas driving from one end of the you know the states to the other, it's going it to take you week. multiple days, exactly. Yeah, you know, it's, which is just crazy. But I think like that's the UK is to the US what the US is to Russia. Russia yeah. is fucking massive. Oh, it dude. is. It is. It's like, absolutely massive. It blew my mind when because like. Like I mentioned before off mic, like this week I watched a documentary on wildlife in Siberia, right? And like, I still, even watching that, I didn't, it still shocked me when you said that Lake Baikal is 400 miles. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that that's is insane. insane. Yeah. That's so fucking well, I mean, big, dude. It's like, think of, think of our great lakes, right? Yeah. And think They're of this shit. lake. Exactly. And I mean, even the Great Lakes, you like you go on one side, and it already looks like you're staring at the ocean. Yeah, that's. I yeah. mean, that's how this is just amplified. I mean, it might be the size of all the Great Lakes combined. It's got to be close. Uh, maybe, yeah. Like that four hundred mile number. Four hundred, four hundred miles, and and a lot of parts of it over a mile deep. Yeah, that's crazy. But That's, like one of my big questions was it, how thoroughly the lake has been explored. Oh, it, it hasn't. I mean, because you can only go so deep, and there's, sure. I mean, they're still discovering species in the lake now of different types of you know fish and stuff like that that are yeah. continuing to grow. I mean, the yeah. area is known to four thousand different species of like plant and animal life, right? Yeah, and so and they're still finding more and more within the waters and. There's there's so many like s- different pockets and stuff like that and like steam pockets and stuff within this lake that allows for these things to live and thrive. Yeah. And they're like fish in this lake get tremendously large because they're able to. Yeah. Uh, you it, know, no, it so, makes sense cuz they have a massive ecosystem to right. exist within. Yeah. It's just insane. Dude Okay, you know what I love the most about this? It's it's a mysterious lake without a fucking plesiosaur. Thank God. There's <laughs> no lake monster in this lake. Well... <laughs> Stop it, don't ruin it. <laughs> there is... So there is said to be a quote-unquote monster that lives at the bottom of Lake Baikal. Ugh. It's not, I mean, this is like, this is like, you know, this is just something that people talk about. Obviously, every lake has its lake monster, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, But it's said that because there's so many of these, like, underwater tunnels and, you know, areas, you know, areas within this lake, um, they they claim that there's this monster that's over 10 meters in length. So that's what, over 30 feet in in length. And a lot of people think that it may be some extinct species of dinosaur that's managed to live in the area and thrive. Sure. Yeah. Of course. I mean, of course, I know. But that was, I mean, that's, that's not, I mean, that that's not based off of fact, obviously. You know, that's more so. Every lake has its monster. It's right? a legend, exactly. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. That's, that's, yeah. We deal in legends here. Exactly. Um, I I have a not so secret hatred of lake monsters. <laughs> I just find them so incredibly why. boring. They're so boring. Really? That's yes. Hmm. They're so boring. And like I buy a couple of them, but most of them I just consider like gift shop fodder. I mean, yeah, of course. It's just like everyone has to have like a stuffed plesiosaur to sell in the gift shop. I mean, yeah. I mean, we we talked about center. that a lot with like Tessie from Lake Tahoe. Yep. Exactly. Uh, as much as I still love Tessie, you know. Yeah. But regardless, yeah, I agree. I agree with you for sure. I think a lot yeah. of it is to come see our lake, home of the such and such. Yeah, exactly. 
Like, you have, you like have a... to have like some like something that is kind of dangerous, right? Because dangerous well, is they, appealing. At the same time, plesiosaurs are super easy to make look like Disney drawings. I mean, right? so like <laughs> that too, yeah. So they can like slap this doofy ass cartoon plesiosaur on yeah. every sign, then yeah, and they all do it. I don't have they a name for it. this one, unfortunately, because I really yeah. didn't care to dive into it. I like, well, okay. Since I can't appreciate the fact that this is a mysterious lake with no lake monster, I will appreciate the fact that you did not write a 15-minute story about the lake monster. Instead, <laughs> you wrote a story about something actually way cooler. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Way cooler. I agree. So these things are how tall are are they? Just they're, generally considered real tall. Yeah, they're roughly about nine nine feet. Oh shit! That's yeah, really roughly tall. three meters tall. Okay. Um, and silver suits. Yeah. So yeah, um, yeah. That's uh, when when this uh, military diving team was the first one that that went down, and they're the ones that uh, met the three of them. And they got they got propelled, you know, the surface, and ended up losing three of them because that yeah, day that apparently they weren't like maybe we should get another decompression chamber. Like, what are they gonna yeah. do? Like, share it? Like. They couldn't yeah. fit all of them in it, but they all They'd there's seven of them that go diving, or two at a time, or something. Well, maybe that's the goal. But like, yeah. you gotta have another evacuation plan in any yeah, situation. Be prepared, right? Like, don't be stupid. Yeah. Um. So, so needless that was to say, super interesting. So they have some. The idea is that they have some sort of tech that controls the that can control the flow of the well, water. Or so when they when they see these things. They're described as being in the silver suits. Um, actually, I have a I have a really good description. Um, helmets, right? They said yeah. helmets. So they said. Um, so I'm I'm going back to my okay. Sorry, back to my notes here. But so they've compared the descriptions of the being seen in the lake with ancient, uh, well, with ancient petroglyphs. That were similar, strange, you know, looking beings were actually said to, you know, depicted and stuff um, with the similar helmets. But the way that they describe these as being almost like modern day astronaut suits. Okay. But they had no type of, I mean, anything that they could see, like type of like scuba gear or like. They didn't have a tank or anything. Right. No type of tank or anything. But at one point, one grabs this small, like, metallic device. And apparently, like, points it at them, and then all of a sudden, like, the water starts to spiral, and they get shot to the top. Yeah, and it kills three of them. And ends up killing three of them, right? I mean, yeah, obviously, that's... I mean, I don't think that was intentional. I, you know, I don't, I don't yeah, know that these course. beings are, you know, like, I, I like the idea of them being like overseers of this lake and this area and whatever else, like, you know, yeah, like protectors, right? Yeah, that's sort of, of the the legend of them in yeah. in the local indigenous people right yeah, they see yeah they're basically like seen as guardians like, exactly trying to protect this lake and and all that it has to offer you know and i like it makes sense that that they that the indigenous population sort of developed this spiritual connection with the lake because it's basically their source of life i mean yeah right? of like, course they get their food from it they get their drinking water from it yeah they, the climate is better on the coast of it, so they probably set up settlements near it. Like, it, it makes it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. The same agreed. way, you know, island cultures worship the ocean, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like, they, they have this salmon that's apparently, like, a delicacy yeah. of, like, all the salmon family or whatever. The omul, I think, is what it's called. And then, of course, yeah. they have the Baikal seals, which are a big source of their food and stuff as well. Yeah. Um, not to mention, I mean, they have like these giant ass fish, like sturgeons and uh, what was it, like the graylings and stuff like that, right? So, yeah, yeah I mean, that's what the Lake Baikal uh, Lake Monster is. It's a giant sturgeon. It probably is. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine how fucking huge a sturgeon could get in this I mean, lake? Yeah. I, I just it's sturgeons in general. Like we like we yeah. talked about. I mean, in an area where they can thrive, they get massive. Yes. So yeah, I, I imagine that's what most lake monsters are. You I know, think most lake honestly, monsters. Honestly, yeah, I mean, they're all depicted very similarly, right? Yeah, and that's exactly how this one is depicted, and, and some of the other, and that's why I really didn't put a lot down on yeah. it. 
Because it was very similar to what we expect of every general lake monster to be. Yeah. Like I'm kind of I'm kind of there with you when it comes to like yeah, yeah they're kind of boring. It's just still like Nessie all I, the same. Growing up with that and growing up with you know my my yeah. dad and my grandparents very very Scottish. And sure. you know hearing hearing stories about Loch Ness and stuff like that like growing up like yeah it's always been one of my favorite when it comes to like cryptids and stuff like that. It'll always be I mean, um, you genuinely consider Nessie like a part of your heritage, right? Exactly. Like, yeah, it's part of your connection with your grandparents and your dad, and yeah, like, of course, it makes sense. And as far as lake monsters go, Nessie takes the fucking crown. Oh, well, obviously, down. yeah, easy, duh. Nothing mm-hmm. else is even close. I mean, there's no but, other lake monster that's as well known either. There's a reason they all rhyme with Nessie. <laughs> right, exactly. It's, that's what I was actually, I, I was going to say, so what is this one called? Bessie? Yeah. I think there's already a Bessie. Lessie? Bicalessie? I don't know. I appreciate that I tried. Regardless, you know. The the freshwater seals, the Nerpa. That's awesome. They're that's like awesome. super unique. Yeah, super cool. And it's the only the only place Where the in the world. Where did they come from? I see that's that's the thing, is I don't think anyone really knows. Does the lake connect Some, to a shoreline anywhere? Like is there a river trip is there a tributary that runs to it or I, I believe there there is a river that's more of like a you know like feeds out into the ocean i mean just as okay. you know, most do right but i know some do and some don't but right I, I think that's the only connection but i think that's like long you know i mean obviously obviously this lake is 400 miles you know yeah whatever so yeah i mean there has to be some some like exit or entry point right but yeah i yeah. mean that's it's one of the things it's it's a mystery like how this seal has adapted and how it's lived and it's thrived and you know i mean it's the only freshwater seal and it's only found there i love shit like that yeah it's cool like it's see that's what like that's why it was so important to really focus on the history and just just like talking about the lake in general before i like i really started hitting on what this episode is actually about because there is so much to this area that's just insane yeah see okay i just looked it up lake baikal is considered a lake the only reason it's not considered a sea like it would literally be considered a sea if it wasn't connected to the ocean by by a river yeah so that's there we go there's the Angara River and the Yenisei River connect Lake Baikal to the ocean, to an ocean. So that's like volume wise, it would otherwise be considered a sea rather than a lake. Right. That's oh, yeah. For sure. Lake is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so, yeah. And I imagine those seals, seals or seal? I like seals. I'm curious. I like seals. Yeah. I also just like seals. Oh, yeah, but, they're cool. um, I imagine they just made their way up the river, right? And the, over generations of seals, there they developed, evolved this ability to live in freshwater in the river, right? Because I mean, you have rivers, like, and then make it to the lake. you have like otters, which are pretty similar, pretty similar yeah, they to can seals. Do both. You have yeah. like river otters and stuff like that. Yeah, so like yeah. it makes sense that it's possible. Sure. It's just cool that this is the only place yeah. on Earth where oh, yeah. seals Without have done this. I agree. Because there are lots of rivers that connect lakes to the ocean, right? This could happen in a thousand places all over the world, but for some reason, this is the spot Yeah, where it happened. Which, off topic, I watched this video of this person playing with this like little baby otter, and it was the most adorable thing in the whole world. It loved it. It was like they were playing with its belly and it was like holding onto their hands and like, you know, it doesn't matter, but it was just, it was tricking thing. it. It was tricking the person. Might've been. Was a <laughs> it might have been. That was 100% a little baby Kishtaka. Well, it was luring the person in. 
I would like to think... You didn't even think, check it for needle teeth, did you? I would like to think that they start off nice. Maybe. And lovable. Just like children, you know? And one person drops them and it's over. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Be nice to, uh, be nice to your local otters. <laughs> Otter or otters? Otters. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Be nice, or they'll become Kushtaka. Yep. So anyhow, anyhow. Lake Baikal, yes, yeah. Um. So it, getting getting back into these quote unquote Lake Baikal swimmers, right? Yeah. And they got the name because of you know, I mean, they're always like anytime they're seen, and there's there's been a lot of reports of people seeing, and there's still reports of people seeing. You know, yeah. these things, swimming in the lake and stuff like that. And there's been lots of dive teams that have came across them or seen them in passing or something like that. And, of course, yeah. they've gotten the name because, you know, they're... They're always swimming. Humanoid swimming things. Yeah. 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 So, like, I have questions, you know. Like, obviously, I really love this idea of them being this, like, underwater a- alien civilization... Sure. Is that's badass. It yes, it is. But like, what if they're literally mermaids? <laughs> yeah. What if? What if? They Or what if they're like half shark, half man? Do you know who Wim Hof is? Wim Hof? No, I don't. Okay, so he's this guy who holds like a, a bunch of records for um like ice plunges and like swimming okay. in cold water, great distances and freezing cold water with nothing. Yeah. Like he just jumps in in his shorts and goes for it. And he like, he cut, he, he sort of got popular a few years ago. He went on Rogan. He's like, has these, this like special breathing technique that like oxygenates your body, like super oxygenates your body. So your so, body doesn't just go into shock. Yeah, like, this dude is hardcore as fuck. Like, when he set his last record, his eyeballs froze while he was underwater, so he couldn't see, and he still made, like, he drops down in a hole in the ice and swims to the other hole. That's how he does that. That's terrifying. I've actually thought about that a lot during, like, prepping for this episode, and that's something I never, ever, ever, ever want to associate myself with. Ever. Yeah, agreed. So halfway to the fucking hole, his eyeballs freeze over, and he can no longer see where he's going. He ends up staying in the water like twice as long as he was supposed to, but eventually finds the hole and comes up out of the second hole. Damn. Right? And it takes like six hours for his eyeballs to thaw. Yeah. I'm so, surprised it didn't blind him. Yeah, me too. So was he. I'm, um, I'm sure he was, <laughs> <laughs> but like, I just to put into perspective, like, because they talk a lot about like they see them and they're shocked at how they're they seem to be unfazed by the temperature of the water and stuff like that. Like, human capabilities are a lot higher than most people realize. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, think about dudes like Wim Hof, and like, I'm not saying you know nine feet tall. Pretty sure there aren't any human beings out there that are nine feet tall. But, like, I think that's just, like, a good perspective to have. Yeah. It's like, some people are out there doing crazy shit like this. Like, swimming in frozen lake by call. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, yeah, people do it. Like, there's there's a bunch of videos and pictures of people doing it in lake by call. Yeah. Yeah. If So, if Wim Hof, this guy, I think he's Swedish think he's swedish he's scandinavian he's from one of those countries so if wim hof figured it out i imagine some like of the indigenous people that have lived on this the shores of this lake for generations i guarantee some of them figured out how to swim in this lake and be all right yeah i'm sure sure. like yeah yeah just putting that out there but to never i mean something that you have to surface at some point you know you can't just live there yeah I mean, I'm not saying that's what this is. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, some of... Because some people definitely might see someone swimming and be like, what the... That has to... There's oh, no yeah, way a I person mean, can yeah, do that. Yeah, without a doubt, you know? it, it would, you'd yeah. be like, damn, they have to be nuts to... You yeah. Know. 
or dead. Right. But <laughs> like, also, how could that not kill someone? I like the idea of this also being, you know, a possible aquatic life form that's, you know, unknown. Undiscovered. Right. Yeah. 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 Which is cool, I too. I like that, too. But what's like, what is aquatic and also humanoid? I don't think anything like that exists or has existed. Right? Mermaid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, well, yeah, there is that's... some like some fringe um, anthropologists believe this thing called the aquatic ape theory, where like mm. basically it sort of it's used it's cited a lot when people talk about like Atlantis, right? Yeah, right. This idea that like at some point we at some point we part of the like primate and I'm talking completely out of school here. Obviously I'm not an anthropologist. I'm not like super into this theory or anything. I just have like a general knowledge of it. I think, I think the idea is that at some point, some section of like uh, lower hominids went back into the water and living on the coastline, just spending increasing amounts of time over generations in the water evolved to be able to live in the water Hmm. right i mean yeah i i obviously that's possible i mean we the seal for example you know has been able to adapt to live in fresh water and sure and you know these type of temperatures and this you know environment um that i mean it's a it's a leap from what i know yeah from what from what i understand of it it's a leap and a lot of most most people don't think that this ever happened, but I guess there are some there are some um, fossil records, some fossil remains of you know that suggest that that might have been the case. I don't know, but so maybe maybe a thing like that. Maybe we're talking about like the eventuality coming from a hominid that went back into the water. Yeah. Right. Maybe. I mean, ten thousand years ago. Maybe exactly. That's years ago. that's the other thought is maybe it's some ancient civilization. Right. So yeah, I mean, that's possible. Yeah. Just I mean, because if it's if it's not alien, right? Because obviously that's the first thing I think. Yeah. Is because there are all these craft sightings that happen I mean, this in area, around the area. It's a hot right? spot. So it's, it's a hot. <laughs> it's spot. a hot spot. It's one of the hottest spots. Yeah. And um, they talk. You know, things like telepathic communication is discussed. Things like um, environmentalism. Right. The idea that they're associated with environmentalism. Yeah. I mean, that was that um, was another thing. Like the 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 group of divers that were basically talked to telepathically and told to like preserve the lake you know talking about the right. dangers of you know the lake is is suffering right now yeah i wonder is that because that's such a running theme in in alien contactees right um this idea that the aliens convey some message for saving the earth i mean yeah it's oh that's and but is that like a modern evolution of the classic like nature spirit that people have talked about for you know since time immemorial? I mean, that's that's like, kind of the the whole that's that's part of the premise on the whole Titan theory. Sure, yeah, is that they're like guardians, exactly, right? Making yeah. sure that the you know that we preserve things and things play out as they're supposed to, and yeah. You know, and but, yeah, because the, I mean, having that nature spirit, that like force that will that wants you to take care of the land, right? That's been a an essential part of folklore as long as people have existed. Yeah, it has. right. It's like it's just sort of an embodiment or a an expression of a culture's reliance on the world around them, mm-hmm. right? Like we have to take care of this shit. We need it. You know? Yeah. Um, and I just wonder if this is another example of how sort of UFOs are like the modern version of the folklore that used to exist. You know what I mean? But UFOs themselves aren't folklore. 
you know, and stuff like that. So, like, they aren't. I mean, no, they're real. They might be. The shit's getting declassified left and right. <laughs> the reason that we have this story is because in 2009, you know, they declassified, and this is one of those one of those reports that was done by those military divers. Mm-hmm. You know, so right, but people in the military are just as likely to encounter, you know, run-ins with the other, right, as anyone else. I mean, yeah. So that that doesn't necessarily mean that it. But does that make it one hundred percent folklore, or does that add? I mean, folklore is just kind of a general term that I use for uh, stories that have been around for a long time. I mean, yeah, I right? know, I know. I'm um, just, I'm, I'm yeah. getting, you know, I'm getting to the center of that, right? Right. Like, By folklore, I don't necessarily mean fiction, right? Right. I, I think because I think most folklore is based on interactions that cultures had with. I mean, the other with whatever the source of the, this phenomena is, I think is the source material used to create the folklore. Yeah. I think maybe it. legend is more of a, sure. More of a broader term than. Yeah. Yeah. Either one. Yeah. Legend is probably, I don't know, because then when you say legend, I think urban legend. And right. That well, that's what I'm saying. Like creepypasta. Like, I, I think maybe it, like the way I'm looking at it is I'm, I'm hearing it right. as legend versus gotcha, folklore, gotcha. which is, yeah. you know, that that's, that's history, you know, that yeah, yeah. has a lot to do with like history and just, you know, yeah. The passing down exactly. of cultural knowledge. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, so I, I sort of think of the UFO because, you know, I mean, you know, my position, which is that all this stuff is fingers on the same hand, right? Like UFOs, cryptids, hauntings. I think it all has the same source point. Yeah. Um, and the the expression of it changes through the years, right? Mm-hmm. Through the ages and from person to person. So, yeah, I'm just thinking fair. like. Is that because that's another thing that UFO encounters have with like they have in common with like Fey encounters, right? Is this idea that they're like you have to take care of nature, right? Like, yeah, you have to, yeah, they they both do that. So, just pointing that out, yeah, no, I, I, I see what you mean for sure. Um, yeah, it, it, it does, it happens a lot in, in any type of case that we discuss. You know, especially someone that's abducted or whatever else. They're always shown, like, this is what the end of the world looks like if you don't get your shit together. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, it's just very, it's very common. You know, it's like almost common practice in these types of stories. Yeah. It's it's standard, right? Right. Um, And that leads some people to speculate that aliens are human beings from the future, right? That they're doing like a x-force thing where they have to go back in time to save their timeline or whatever man again that's part of that titan that titan theory as well yeah Yeah, because that gets all timey-wimey yeah right wibbly wobbly yep yeah exactly (laughs) um i can't go a single episode without a doctor who reference i know it i know it's impossible (laughs) (laughs) ah fucking deal with it i don't mind it i don't mind (laughs) it it's fine good but um, I had a yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I had a question. The um, the Russian scientists that spotted them. I think no, it was the the encounter in 1991. I had a question about that one. Okay. My my question is because they said they appeared to be te- communicating telepathically. Yeah, that's like. So my question is how how can you tell if two <laughs> beings are are communicating telepathically Well, that was the thing, is it was also, like, I had, I had read telepathically and also using, like, a sign form language. of sign language. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is two very different things. Right, but maybe, like, as someone that's on the outside perceiving, like, maybe they're doing these, like, strange gestures and, sure. like, seem to be, like, they're communicating with each other. So, like, you don't know, really. Sure. Right. Yeah. So they were just kind of throwing things right. at the Right, I'm assuming it's just the, the way sense. it's perceived. Okay, that that makes more sense. It's it would be weird to say like these things were definitely speaking to each other in their minds. <laughs> like, <laughs> how the fuck would you know? Right. I mean, but um, you know, given on on the other where people are said that like they are 
taught like you know they're essentially interacted with telepathically it would be easy to assume that that's what's happening there sure right yeah yeah because they said that they moved in a way that was like highly synchronized right yeah right so like that would suggest some kind of either communication or or choreography maybe Mm -hmm. you know um i don't know that's that's a weird one though yeah like it is it's a strange that that's i think that's the weirdest one the weirdest encounter yeah because they also talk about the almond eyes and stuff like right. that right that's the same one mm-hmm. that they, they get very alienish. yeah they get very alienish. but like this whole like helmet thing it said that they can see like they're you know it's not like it's covering their faces um and okay. some like some uh the articles i read it mentioned like it was like a helmet but it was open Okay. Whereas, like, the other one was talking about it's very, like, astronaut. astronaut, Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, you know, it's hard to know for sure. Okay. But. That's interesting. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Now, so outside of, so obviously outside of kind of those, you know, the encounters and everything we've kind of talked about, I had some, you know, kind of to solidify just the area more so like kind of solidify this being a hot spot. Um, yeah. You know, I, I did talk about, you know, there's still reports of people saying, you know, to this day, uh, people are still seeing things, you know, seeing things on the lake, seeing strange beings, seeing strange crafts landing on the lake, landing on the banks or, you know, on the shores and stuff, uh, yeah. seeing these objects like going into the water. Um, there, there's actually been reports uh, of people that saw like these weird kind of strange colored orbs that would like zig and zag and zip through the sky and then all all of a sudden Ooh. just zoom into the water and never resurface. Okay. So classic USO style. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Nice. So and a lot of that, a lot of people seeing like in the multicolored orbs. I mean some saw red ones, some saw orange ones, some see like uh ones with like purple trails and as we've talked about in some okay. you know, episodes um, <laughs> yeah yeah you know similar to similar to stuff like that but like watch it and like people out on the water like whether they're out there fishing or whether they're on a yacht like there's i mean sure. been a lot of different cases where they watch these like these orbs and watch them zigging and zagging and then right in the water that's uh, awesome which is yeah that's that's really cool and that helps to kind of further solidify this kind of underwater thing right yeah, absolutely. Now, See, that's what it screams alien. These things scream yeah, alien. Exactly. I know. I know. It's it's hard it, it's hard not to. I mean, these are really big grays if they're grays. Right. Right. Well, I mean, maybe they're, you know, I I, I mean there's there's so many different quote unquote yeah. species of, of alien life and stuff like sure. that, right? So I mean yeah, if you want to look fair. at it like that. It's <clears throat> But all the phenomena surrounding these things, I think, is what really suggests alien, right? It's all the craft sightings, all these lights, all yeah. the... I mean, USO stuff, and you have beings, strange beings that swim in the water, like... Yeah. That's hard to ignore that connection, Well, that's right? that's where I'm going to get into a couple other actual, like, encounters um, that, that I've talked about. So, uh, there was a case... Um, and uh, that incur- that occurred at Kerma Irkutsk region. <laughs> I-, I butchered that to shit, and I am so sorry. Kerma Irkutsk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, that one. Uh, in 1987, um, the person, uh, and the- this is word for word his his description of everything. Um, yeah, I'm just gonna sweet. call him Valerie Rudenstoff. Okay. Um, a local resident of nearby uh, of a nearby Sheeta village. Again, you know, pronunciation is kind of tough. Um, sure. But he says there were thirteen of us. About twelve twenty a.m., one of our one of our guys went out into the yard. A few seconds later, runs and calls us out. He stood at the center of the yard and pointed his finger in the sky. Diagonally from his gesture, one hundred and fifty meters above us, hung a huge flying saucer. From the center of the plate went a phosphorescent purple ray. 
and at the edges of the plate were yellow portholes, almost like in our rural houses. The diameter of the plate was 70 meters. We saw it so clearly, and for a long time. Someone even suggested he throw a stone at it. The weather was amazingly quiet. No sound was heard from the hanging saucer, although behind us was the village of Kerma. There was the noise of a dog barking, the lowing of cows. We were spellbound. It was a full moon, and the visibility was so clear that none of us could doubt the reality of what we saw. And then the plate slid smoothly smoothly away, sailed along the shore of the bay, and further slipped into the hills of the Olkan. Neither before nor after have I ever met such a thing. But since that time, it has been a kind of a sacrilege to me not to believe in UFOs. My friend Alexander, a hunter, and his colleagues who lived there for 20 years often see UFOs. And all is fine, and he is still alive. So if to speak about glowing bowls or cigars, we constantly see these on the shores of Lake Baikal. They exist. Wow. Which is pretty, I mean, that's pretty solid. Yeah. Yeah. First thing, that friend who said, hey, you should throw a rock at it, you're done with him. He's a bad friend. <laughs> Get rid of him immediately. Right, yeah. That, that guy's a dumbass. <laughs> Stay away from him. That's bad advice. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's not good. Yeah. So, I mean, that's either going to piss somebody off or that's going to come right back at you. Right? Like, a <laughs> yeah. hundred times faster and harder. Exactly. Yep. It's... Yeah, that's, I love how, like, articulate and well, well written that, that account is. Yeah, I dig it. It's really pretty compelling. Right, exactly. And it's more so like, and it's where he's talking, like, we, you know, like, whether or not, it's basically like saying, whether or not we talk about it, we see it. They are here. We know it. They do exist. Yeah. 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 I like it. It's awesome. I have a couple other uh, kind of shorter ones. Uh, I like that yeah, one, and I, I wanted to make sure I read it word for word because, like, I mean, that was literally his recount of it. Um, yeah. There was another by Vyacheslav Lavrovic. <laughs> That's quite a name. Close enough. A rescuer recalled an incident but did not give the date. Uh, He said, we were on a lake yacht on Lake Baikal, and from under us flew a huge glowing disc. It blinded us, and for a second flew into the sky. We did not even have time to grab any cameras nor take video, although many of us saw it. It was huge, and lit up all of our yacht. In diameter, it was probably 500 to 700 meters. A huge disc. That's insane big. Yeah. That's massive. For three minutes, it shone from below the surface and then abruptly departed in a second. The spectacle spectacle is huge. Awesome. Beautiful and shocking. Yeah, that's insane, dude. Right. I mean, that's That's a really big one. That's just think like just think of that, like how big that actually is. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. And then the next one, um, the last one I'll, I'll talk about. So we're you know not going too too crazy long here. Yeah. Um, in 1990, the village of uh, Kudara Summon. Again, I know I'm butchering it. <laughs> uh, several reports were made by the citizens that live there. They stated that there was a flying saucer that was flying very low over their village. They watched as the object descended down, and three people in shiny, shimmering costumes exited the vehicle. They described them as people as far as they could tell. They wore shining yellow suits. They described the craft as circular, like a disc. They stated that it turned on the edge, and they were able to see windows. And that there was also an additional three other beings in orange suits. But basically, after they were aware the citizens of the village were watching them, they returned to the craft and flew away. Okay. And that's where they actually landed and watched people climb out. And this is like a bunch of people in this village. I summed this up, but there were a bunch of reports. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Of people talking about it and all confirming all the same thing. That's like seeing the actual figures, dude. That's intense. Right. I mean, you know, because at that point, like, yeah, we have we we talk about mass hysteria, group, you know, yeah. group hysteria, stuff like that. But to see also beings, not only like you see like this craft, like, yeah, it's easy to like everybody to see this craft and be like, oh, yeah, I saw the same thing. 
but for so many people to witness people actually exiting out. And most people said, you know, like these, these looked like people as far as we could tell. Obviously they weren't very close, like, you know, but they said like they walked, you know, they walked like a person, they climbed out of this craft like a person would. And, you know, everything about them suggested that they were people. Yeah, that's wild. Like, I, I dig that. Th- it's, that it's many so people. Cool. That's a. That's crazy when like a whole village has an experience like that. Yeah, exactly. And so, and that, and that's this area, you know, and that's in this area, and that's what like, that's what really makes this idea of these being some type of alien thing. being extraterrestrial, whatever that reside in this area because i mean especially with all like the orbs and like craft things we see go zipping into the water and the ones that come surface out of the water yeah and there's multiple reports of that the other one was a second report you know that wasn't even and i had mentioned a report similar like that the one that basically yeah, so, came up under the craft and like sat there until it zipped oh, yeah. away so the i think what's standing out to me in this is that if if these are whatever these are they don't appear to be visitors. They appear to be right. residents. Yeah, exactly. Right? I mean, there seems to be something else going on. Yeah. And that's, that's where awesome. this underwater alien civilization, yeah. like, that that to me, I think, like, it makes the most sense. And that's, like, the cool, like, the coolest idea, you know. Yeah, that's Or awesome. possibility in this story, yeah. I, that really sets this apart as far as alien stories, right? Like alien encounters. The fact yeah. that they they aren't just like showing up once, twice, ten times. They seem to be there all the time. Yeah, I mean, like I said, even to like even till today, people are seeing like random objects and seeing these like random beings that like right. people like. There's been a couple other things I've read, like even. Like within you know the later years, people have talked about like seeing beings, like literally, wow, like crafts landing and people walking out and people like walking into the water or climbing out of the water and stuff and yeah, but lots of lots of UFOs and stuff like that, you know. Um, there's just a ton of activity. That's awesome. I, dude, this is a really cool story. Yeah, I. I you know it's it's one I finding it and not really knowing I mean I think we we mentioned Lake Baikal when we had done Lake Tahoe when we were just talking yeah. about like big ass lakes yeah you know but uh, like I hadn't really ever dove into it and then like you know finding this and being able to like find out so much about it it's actually one of the cooler neater ones that we've we've discussed because it, it like, really is it's a lot more compelling you know yeah. And it's, it's a UFO story, but it's also so different. Right, for sure. It's there are some huge differences there, which I really appreciate. Great Where, story. Wh- so, what do you what do you think? Do you buy into it, or how do you feel about it? I think that there's definitely something here, right? And I know I say that a lot, right? It's kind of a cop out at this there's, point. There's something, but right? Like, yeah, I something think happened something. there that day. No, it's. Honestly, I'll go out on a limb for me and I'll say, I think something physical exists here. Yeah, cool. I think whatever it is, I think it it exists physically in this area and people are encountering it over and over again. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree for yeah. sure. I don't, you know, I don't know if that if it's extraterrestrial. Maybe it's something that's always been here it on just, Earth. I mean, that's that's possible. Yeah, I'll agree with you. I'll definitely agree with you. And like ancient civilization stuff, like you know, like that whole like concept, like yeah, that's cool. This could also be, like, this could also be Hollow Earth. You know, if we want to dive sure. like dive into that, you know, which I don't yeah, think we're I mean, going to talking this about. Episode, but you're talking about the deepest lake on Earth, right? Like, yeah, tunnels, caves, river systems. Mm-hmm. You got, yeah, sure. I'll go there. So, but like to me, with all this activity, so much, so many of these USOs, yeah. you know, that are, that people are watching dive into the water and never return or never resurface, like that yep. to me, I mean, it's, it screams alien for sure. Okay. Yeah. So that's where I'm at. Excellent. 
But yeah, I, like I dig it. it. I think it's awesome. Agreed. Well, I think that's going to wrap up this episode. This is episode 90, The Lake by Cal Swimmers. Thank you, thank you, thank you. From the bottom of our weird, possibly alien, maybe ghostly, probably cryptid hearts for listening. We absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild creatures and events every week, and it's your continued attention that allows us to carry on. We want to get to know each and every one of you, so please come and check us out on all the socials. At campfire.tales.podcast on Instagram and Facebook, at campfire.totsau on Twitter, and you can also visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com. If you love the show, please rate and review it. It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling. And a special thanks to Greg Martin at Reverent Music on Instagram for his contributions to the beautiful music that you hear every week under the debrief. You can find more of his tunes at ReverbNation.com slash Reverent. It's fantastic, fantastic stuff. Go give that a listen. And that's it. Until next time. I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And remember, campers, stay weird and and trust trust in the unknown. unknown.